We're going to be in Timothy today, in 2 Timothy, but I'm going to kind of lay a little foundation of First uh, and Second Timothy. The thing is, a lot of times we don't understand that First Timothy, Second Timothy, and Titus, those three letters that Paul wrote, everybody thinks that that's, or a lot of people think, that um, they're pastoral letters, meaning that they're directed for the pastors or the leadership. And they kind of overlook them. They don't study them. They don't go through them. Um, they kind of just like, well, that's not applying to me. And, you know, maybe I could uh, just, you know, skip past that. And there's a lot of meat. There's a lot of things in there as Christians that we need to apply to our lives because we are the church as well. It's just not pastors. It's not the leadership or the ones that are behind the scene. But it's truly, we are the church. We represent here. We represent church outside in the community. And then also when we talk to somebody or we run into them, we're representing Calvary Chapel Running Springs as well. We're representing our God, which is far greater than anything that we can fathom. But the thing is, is just like that song, you know, he breathed into us and he gave us life. He gave us compassion. He shows us what love is. And we're going to see Paul. You know, I always think about Paul. I mean, he's like my favorite person in the Bible because it's amazing where God can take someone that's so wretched, so wretched as Paul. And the thing I wish that when we give our lives to the Lord and he takes us out of that past that we had, that would give us a new name like he did Paul. But the thing is, Paul got a new start. And Paul went out with boldness and dynamics that... uh, he learned through Christ. He was not a good speaker. He wasn't, you know, he was, he was evil. He had an evil mind. And, and God used him in a way that, um, that only God could. And he had such compassion for Timothy. He calls him his beloved son, a son of faith. And that's because P- Timothy was young when he came to his faith through Paul. And then also Paul is known as his heavenly father. Now, in our church here, and um, if you're visiting, you don't know who these people are, but we have key people, men and women, that are just like Paul, loving on the youth, being there for the youth, setting a good example, mentoring them. Um, You know, Pastor Chuck, I mean, here he is, this big guy, and he loves the little children so much, and he holds these little children, they're just lost in his hands. But it, it, it reminds me of Paul, how... Paul was, and, and, and Chuck's the same way, and there's so many others here that um, it would take the whole service to name all of you, so I won't do that, okay? But the thing is, is Paul had that love and that genuine compassion for Timothy. He walked with him. He showed him. He, he taught him how to share God's love and stay on the basics, okay? In, in chapter 1... Um, it was it was a time where he was explaining and teaching to him. And then what he was doing is uh, helping him to hold faith value to this relationship that he had with God that started when he was young with his mom and his grandmother and bestowed that in him. And I know that a lot of you are parents in here, and, and, and we play a huge role with our kids. And when a foundation of um, love for the Lord starts young, it's, it's amazing what God does. But then you can be like me where it took like 27 years before I even let the Lord work in my life. And it was the people around me that prayed for me that brought me into um, a foundation with the Lord and became saved. And it, it's, a, it's a life-changing experience. The first letter to Timothy was heartfelt. Paul encourages him in leadership to go out. 
Um, sometimes that's difficult to go out and and speak the message of uh, God to other people. We get discouraged. We get challenged. We um, have people that, um, you know, they just kind of attack you. You go, you go out there and you're sharing God's love, and, and Christ went through that. He went through the time where people were against a persecution for the love of Christ. What stands out for me is that it didn't matter what Paul was doing. Okay, we're going to see that he's in prison and he's dying and it's in his last days that he writes the letter to Timothy and even with chains on, he's still pressing forward for the Lord and he's focused on what God wants for him and not what Paul wants. Paul then warns of false teachings and stays, tells him to stay focused of the knowledge of truth. Okay, instead of doing what maybe Timothy wanted to do or what Paul wanted to do. He said, stay true to the Scriptures. Stay true to the basics. Second Timothy, Paul's last letter to Timothy, writing from a dark and damp cell. Um, I can't imagine being in that situation. I can't. Um, and still being there and wanting to give the Lord everything I have, even in chains. We get caught up in our situations. Where, oh, me, oh, my, you know. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? This is too much for me. But here is Paul. He's chained up. He's in the damp, in the dark. And he's looking at like, okay, I can further the kingdom of God. I'm already busted. I'm already in prison. So what can they do to me now? So I'm going to continue program, professing the name of the Lord. While being chained from his ankles and wrists, Paul reaches out to one more time to the beloved Timothy. Second Timothy chapter 1 starts out expressing Thanks for Timothy's salvation in his ministry. He's thanking him. Thanking him that he's loyal and he's going to stay there. Excuse me. And I thank God whom I serve with pure conscience. As my forefathers did, as without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day. Pure conscience. That's tough. That is tough to be in a pure conscience. A pure conscience where... No matter what he did, he had no regrets. Pure conscience. All he had focused on was God. And sometimes we do things and we're like, well, what do you, did we do it right? Or, you know, or I should have done it this way. Or I should have done it that way. But here, here's Paul. He's like, in pure conscience. I know that I'm doing what God's called me to do. And I'm just going to keep on going. No matter what. Not only did he serve with all his principles and ethics in place, but then while suffering is, and soon would be put to death, not losing hope and setting an example that the gospel works, he continued to pray without ceasing for Timothy. There are times that it's hard to pray for someone that does us wrong, isn't it? Um, and then it's easy to pray for people that we're in line with or, or maybe um, a loved one in that. And it talks about praying without ceasing. That doesn't mean that we're driving down the road blind um, some, some of us probably, no, we see people that drive like that or, you know, you, 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 go, you go, they're texting, I can tell because they're all over the road and stuff like that. Um, but praying without ceasing, meaning that your frame of mind is in one accord with God. And there's so many times there's a divine appointment where someone comes onto your heart and you're like, why am I thinking about that person? Maybe you're just supposed to pray for him. Stop what you're doing and pray. But praying without ceasing is just where your heart's in the right place. 
It's not crowded by the things of the world, the things that has us deceived, things that just corrupt our minds. So praying without ceasing, I mean, it just blows me away that he can do that. So let's go ahead and pray, and we're going to get into Second Timothy and see what the Lord has for us. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for this time. I pray, Father, that you would just take over and that your spirit would run wild in here, Lord, that you would just um, speak through me. And Lord, that it wouldn't fall on deaf ears and that you would speak to our hearts. Things that maybe we need to change or things that we are doing right and we could just further what we're doing. I would pray, Father, that you would um, anoint us with your words through the Scripture. And I would pray for Pastor Jeff right now, Lord, that you would give him the strength to get through the day, Lord. Being there with uh, running the race for you, Father. I would pray, Lord, that you would uh, comfort him and give him that strength and bring him back safely, Lord. But Lord, we give this time to you in your precious name. Amen. All right, 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to look through 1 through 13. And then what we'll do is we'll go ahead and jump over into chapter 3 as well. Verse 1 goes like this. You therefore. All right, the word therefore is meaning this. It's He's going through chapter 1, and therefore you know these things, so now I want you to apply it to your life. I want you to do these things, and that's why it's there. So therefore, my son. Okay, there it is. My son. So personable. So personable. Be strong in the grace that is in Jesus Christ. First thing, be strong. So many times we think of being strong as by us doing it ourselves. Our own strength. But being strong in Christ, nothing can come against you that you do not have the strength for if you go through it with Christ. He gives us everything that we need. He empowers us to be strong. In Ephesians 6:10 it says finally my brethren be strong to the Lord in the Lord and in the power of his might. Not my might, not your might, but God's might. He's the one that's going to see you through it. He's going to go before you. Yet Timothy's strength was not his own, okay? It was a divine gift, grace found only in Christ. That grace is something we don't deserve. It's, it's a gift that is given to us, and it doesn't matter what we can do to deserve it. It's freely given. And that grace of his strength is immensely more than we can fathom. And so many times we, we underestimate what God can do for us. And, and we can't do that. In verse 2 it says, And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Okay, so traveling with Paul, Timothy had heard the message. He saw that he delivered the message to many people, and it was entrusted to many who qualified. You know, we look at Pastor Jeff, and we look at our pastoral staff here. They've been entrusted to further the kingdom, and it's been given to him. And so many times we don't understand or we don't stop and think about maybe the struggles that he may go through, or other people in the ministry, whether it's the children's ministry or, or what have you, they're in the trenches fighting the good fight. And the thing is, is sometimes we'll grow very weak and weary, and we need pray, prayer to be prayed up, and that we'll be in the trenches together. Sometimes decisions have to be made, and sometimes it's not received well. But we have to understand that we're not supposed to compare our church to other churches, this is God's church, and we're supposed to make this church what God wants it to be. And the thing is, is, sometimes, like I went to Harvest for 13 years in Riverside, 
And I mean, you've got a congregation of 10,000 people. You can hide in there. You can hide. You don't have a relationship like you do here. But see, you are the church. We are the church. And we're supposed to do what God wants us to do. And that's what Paul's trying to teach Timothy. Don't set yourself out there and try and do what they're doing. Do what God's calling you to do. And stay faithful in the Word. Okay? Now, with the apostles, apostle nearing the end of his ministry, what Timothy had heard from Paul, he was to turn and entrust in other men. Take what he learned from Paul as he's being mentored and teach other men to go out. We qualify as well. Whether it's a message that we hear here or in a devotion at home, we're qualified to do the same thing. We're supposed to take the good news and take it out into the community. Sometimes we may come across someone at the post office. We'll pull in. No, I'm, I'm going to wait till that person goes out. I'm guilty. I've done it. Okay, it happens. Maybe, maybe you got. You know, we just don't get along. Okay, I'll just hang out in my car or whatever. And then they take too long. And they go, okay, I got to go in. And then you run face to face with the person, and you, we gotta love on them in spite of the indifferences. We have to come alongside of them. We have to be a witness. And sometimes we wait for the other person to make it okay or say sorry. And okay, yeah, I'm sorry too. We can't do that. Those are divine appointments in my book. I look at it that way, where you know, if God's put me in a place, and whether there's indifferences or it's someone I love, and you just go on and give, I'm a big hugger. And, you know, you just give them a big hug and stuff. But if it's someone that you, oh, man, really? Oh, I don't need to go to my post office box. You know, up here in the small community, that's kind of like everybody hangs out at the post office. Everybody knows everybody there. And we can't do that. We need to go out there. And that's what uh, Timothy is learning here, that it doesn't matter where he goes. He's going to get grief. He's going to come across people that don't want to hear what he has to say. But does he just stop and not say it? No. The, the picture is he's supposed to be going forth. He's supposed to make disciples of men. He's supposed to share God's love in any situation, any occurrence, anything going on. As we looked at Paul, you know, he, he's chained in prison. He could have just gave up and rolled over and died. And his attitude was, well, if this is where God has me, I'm going to do whatever I can to get the word out. And there he is pinning. I don't know how he did it with no light in the dark dungeon and dripping water and it's damp and everything. I think I would just give up. Like, Take this cup from me, Lord. I'm ready to check out. And that was his frame of mind. He says, okay, if you want to further the kingdom, I will do whatever you want us to do. What do you want me to do? If we look at... Verses 3 through 6, we're going to see where there's three different metaphors that uh, Paul uses here. And once again, in verse 3, you see the word therefore. So therefore, we must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of his of this life, and that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Okay, who enlisted him as a soldier? God did. I don't, I don't think soldiers go into battle thinking and worrying about things behind them or thinking about maybe what they're going through. They've got to stay focused or they lose their lives. And as, as uh, soldiers for Christ, we've got to keep our eyes on the big picture. And that's what Timothy's doing, where he's keeping his eyes on as a soldier that God put him out there in this battle zone 
Sometimes we're afraid to go out in battle zone. We, no, I don't want to go out there. But Timothy, I mean, he was young. He was brought up right. He, was, he, he had the perfect example. I mean, when Paul started his ministry, I'm sure there's people that just wanted to take him out because of what his past was. But see, the thing is, is when we're as a soldier, we don't look at those things behind us. We keep our eyes on the target ahead of us. Um, our military go out and fight for our freedom and that. They've got to keep their heads on straight. They have to. Verse 5, it says, Also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competed according to the rules. Now, first service, we had a lot of the high schoolers that were in here and stuff, and they do athletics, they play sports or football, what have you. If, if you're going to be an athlete, if you, if you cheat or go against the rules, not usually, you don't get the prize. You could deflate a football or something like that and try and get away with it, you know, for the football games. Or, you know, you got the baseball players that are, you know, doing drugs, enhancing and stuff. They got away with it for a while, but then it came back to them. The thing is, is as athletes, we have to train. I've been, some of you know, I've been doing road biking and stuff. And you just don't get on a bike and say, I'm going to go pedal 50 miles. If you do, you're going to die. You know, it, it takes training. It takes the proper uh, training and eating and a diet and things to get out there and be the best you can be. But then he also goes on and he uh, uses a farmer here in verse 6. The hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. I heard someone say that a farmer is the, probably the most honest work they'll ever do, that anybody will do. You can't go and say, yeah, honey, I went to work, and you didn't, and the crops aren't plowed or anything like that. I mean, if you're going to go to work, they've got to go out and plow the field. They've got to plant the seed. If they don't do anything, is it going to come up? No, it's going to be weeds. It's going to be daffodils and things like that. But he uses a farmer. A farmer has to go out and lay the field. He has to plow it. He has to make sure it's fertilized. He has to make sure the seeds are perfectly planted. And if, if we're not doing that, if we're not out planting seeds in the community or within our church, then we're not furthering the kingdom. So Paul uses those three metaphors there to kind of get around what maybe the way we think. In verse 7 it says, Consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. Paul wanted Timothy to reflect on the things that he was saying and to meditate on them. Meditation, like when we read the Word, we're supposed to meditate on it. You know, sometimes we just read through it like a history book, and we don't gather. In high school class, we were talking about, you know, if anybody picks up the Bible, whether they know the Lord or not, are they going to get anything out of it? Well, the, the census was that, yeah, they could get something out of it, but it's not until we have a relationship with Christ and living in our hearts that the Scriptures come alive, and they have meaning. They have context where we can apply it to our lives. If the process required suffering for Paul, so be it. He is willing to pay that price. He is willing to suffer for the sake of the chosen ones. In verse 11, it says, This is a faithful saying, for if we died with him, we shall also live with, with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, 
He also will deny us. Christ endured and will one day reign. And those saints who endured one day will reign with Him. In Revelation 3.21 it says this, To Him who overcomes I will grant to sit with Me on My throne as I also overcame and sat down with My Father in the house. If we're one with Christ, we're sitting at the throne with Him. But if we deny Him, we, we don't have that privilege. We can't do that. In verse 13 it says, If we are faithless, He remains faithful. He cannot deny Himself. Faithless describes a life as an immature believer who lives for oneself and not the Savior. Sometimes we can have a relationship with God and it's kind of immature where we focus on ourselves more than Christ. And it's not until He comes through and totally changes our life where we put our eyes on Jesus and forget about ourselves. That's when we can totally be used. And that's when God totally speaks to us and uses us. Jesus remains faithful even when believers fail. Because that's, that's who He is. He can't do any other. He cannot deny us. He cannot band, abandon us. And He won't abandon us. Let's go ahead and go to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10-17. through 17. Verse 10 starts out like this. Do you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me in Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Paul's talking about things that he went through that Timothy witnessed, but through Christ he got through them. It didn't matter what it was. It didn't matter the afflictions that he was going through. Christ was there in the midst of it and delivered him from Paul draws a sharp contrast between God's truth and false teachings. False teachings isn't just maybe a different religion. A false teaching can even be how we take God's Word and manipulate it to what we want it to hear. Or we can take God's Word and take it out of contact. And then what we do is we teach that to our kids or we teach it to others, and that's false teaching as well. We're supposed to stay in the basics. Paul reminds us that we need to come back to the basics and stay focused on that. A lot of times we want to recreate the will. We think of things that we can do. Oh, this will be better. This will be this way. But if we stay focused on the Lord and His love and outreach, it will be a blessing because it's His way, not our way. In verse 12, it goes like this. It says, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So here he is. Paul is saying, look, if you love Christ and you're going to follow Him, you're going to go through persecution. And that's something that we don't want. Paul holds nothing back by saying this. But the thing is, Jesus will suffer persecution just like we will. Or I'm sorry. Christ took the, the persecution and shows us that we're, we're going to go through it as well. God does not promise deliverance from persecution, but deliverance through it. See, the thing is, He's not going to take us out of it, but He's going to deliver us through it. And we see in John chapter 15, 18 through 21, it says, Jesus is speaking here. It says, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. 
Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. Remember the word that I had said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute, persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. See, we can talk about God all the time. And the world has given God nicknames. But when we start talking about Jesus, people get offended. People get offended because in Jesus' name, or Jesus Christ died on the cross. No, 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 no. And we'll get, we'll go through that persecution for claiming that. The youth have it so rough nowadays. Um, you know, when we go down to the breakfast club and MPH and that, what those kids deal with today is nothing like what we used to go through. The, the gossip and the things that are on social media that the kids go through is a level that we can't even fathom. They get accused. They get um, attacked. And some of these kids don't have a foundation at all. We have certain ones that just come up on us and love on us while we're there. And it doesn't matter what kind of love they're getting. We have three guys that come up every, every morning, Wednesday morning, and they want to be trash canned. Yeah, I know. You're looking at me like, what? What? Yeah. The trash cans are clean, so don't worry. But they, they literally want us to put them in the trash can just for fun. And they look at you and they, and they think it's fun. And it's, you, you think, that's kind of weird, Dan. Why, why would they want that? They're getting no attention at home. And the thing is, is it doesn't matter what kind of attention they get. Now, granted, I would rather love on them and pray with them and share God with them, but we're not at that level yet. So that is just kind of like a threshold to break their, um, their wall that they put up. Because you see them come in and they, they're missing something. They're missing the mark. They're missing something that they're not getting at home. And it's sad. It's so sad. And, you know, the Breakfast Club has been going on for 26 years now at MPH. And what it is is we go in and we serve them breakfast and then we give them the word of the Lord and some worship and games and stuff. And we get ones that just come for the donut. But you know what? It's a start, isn't it? And I know you're still thinking like that trash can thing is kind of weird, Dan, but it is. Or they just come up and hit you and run around and want you to chase them. They just want to be a part. They want to be accepted. And it doesn't matter where we're at. We can take that and we can give them love like God's talking about here, it, we can take our church and move it to here, move it to there. Anywhere we go, we can do that. Um, where did I leave off? I'm sorry. <laughs> verse 13, I believe. Okay, verse 13. But evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. The thing is, is we get so caught up in what we want. Or I do. Okay, maybe you don't. But I get caught up in, well, I think it should be done this way. And you see that happening in churches all the time. Where, well, I really think it should be done this way. But maybe God has put on... Pastor's heart or whoever's doing it. Maybe it's the uh, hostess ministry or the food ministry. That's what God's put on their heart. 
And it's, it's about that. It's not about what we want to see changed. And the thing is, if you see something you want to change it, step up. Come on in. You know, help out. We always have opportunities for service and that. But the thing is, is we need to come alongside of whoever's doing the ministry. You know, Mary does a wonderful job with the food ministry and stuff like that. Be a part of it. Come alongside and serve and help. Those are the things that we need to do as a body. Paul is telling Timothy that you need to stay in the basics of the teachings. Man and false teachings will become more evil. Stay away from false spirituality. In verse 15 it says this, And that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Jesus Christ. Once again, Paul's talking about Timothy's young age that he came to know the Lord and God has used him through all through his years. His mom and his grandmother, a lot of credit there. Gave it to him. I was raised by my grandmother and she bestowed a lot of good things in me. And there was other things that weren't so good. But if you cast out the old and look to the new, there's a lot of things that she bestowed in me. But it took me many years to give my life to the Lord because I wanted to do what Dan wanted to do. And the thing is, is Timothy is on this forefront and he's ready. He's willing. No matter what he's going to do, whatever he's called to do, he's going to do it. Verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good Every good work. Not just some of it, but every good work. Paul is clearly saying that all Scripture is God-breathed. It's all from Him. It's inspired by God. Sometimes we can take Scripture and we say, well, this one doesn't apply to me. Or, you know, um, this one's really making me feel guilty. I, I can't read that. I want the warm, fuzzy feeling and stuff. And sometimes those are the times that God's going to speak to us the most. And that's an area of our lives that we need to change. The author of the Bible is God Himself. You you see um, you see that through Scripture, and you see that we are supposed to be one body, one truth. We need to stand in God's truth. We need to stand and support the church and the leaders at all time, trusting and knowing that God is in control and the head of the church. We as a church have a great responsibility to be supportive. Always building up the body and in leadership, what comes out of our mouths should always be edifying. You know, sometimes we get caught up in joking. We get caught up in, you know, and someone ends up being the butt end of the joke and they laugh it off and stuff. But we should always be edifying. We should always lift one another up. And the thing is, is that what makes the body strong and strength. This time we're going to have worship come up and we're going to start into communion. But while they're coming up, I want to um, bring some things to the forefront. Maybe this message has touched you in a way that um, you're doing everything that God's called you to do. Maybe you are active in the ministry. Maybe you are doing what God wants you to do. Or maybe there's a part in your, in your walk that you need to step out of the comfort zone. Be used by the Lord and, and further the ministry. I know the youth ministry always needs people. The nursery does. There's opportunities for us to serve in great ways. Or maybe you're caught up in 
maybe taken those verses and twisted them around. Maybe, maybe you've made them say what you want them to say. Because the thing is, is the truth of the Scripture... Just you, huh? Amen. Amen. Okay. So the thing is, is sometimes we'll take those verses and we'll make them say what we want and we'll just go on with it. Maybe we need to ask God to reveal things to us. The beautiful thing is, is today with communion, it's like a new commitment. We can come to the Lord. We can give it to the Lord and ask Him to show us and reveal to us what it is that we need to be changed. In Hebrews 12... 12 through 15. It says, Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees, and make straight, straight paths for the feet, so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. Pursue peace with all people in holiness, without no, which, out, which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. And by this many become defiled. What he's talking about there is we're supposed to stand upright. And we're supposed to stay on that narrow path. And maybe, maybe we feel like we have those feeble knees that we, we need to be before the Lord. And as we go into communion... Take the time to just pray and ask God to show the things that He wants you to see. In Proverbs 4, 26-27, says, Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or the left. Remove your foot from evil. The path is narrow. It really is. We like the wide path. We like to wander this way and wander that way. But if we stay on that narrow path, that's where God's going to show and meet us. And it has eternal life there. It has a promise to it. As they're passing out the elements, well, 1 Corinthians 11, 23-26, it says, For I have received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which He was betrayed took bread, and when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, Take, eat, this is My body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The image of Jesus dying on the cross. He broke. His body was broken for us. He bled for us. For our sins. And as Easter's coming up, you know, we accelerate um, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We don't celebrate bunnies and stuff like that, but the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it's a time of year where we need to reflect on the fact that if it wasn't for His blood, we would not have eternal life. We would be dead in our trespasses. We would have no hope. We would have no grace. We would have no mercy. Then in the same manner, He also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is in is the covenant, new covenant of my blood. This do as often as you drink in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you right now, Lord. We thank you for your Son. His blood was shed for our iniquities. 
for our sin, our evilness, our bitterness, all things that fall short of you, Lord. We thank you that your Son was perfect, without blemish. And we thank you for sending him for salvation, Lord, that we can be one with you. So, Lord, we give this time to you. In your precious name, amen.